Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, sponsored by Buzz and Sounds Recording Studio. My name's Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number 46, For Whom the Cap Tolls. And as we're speaking, and the franchise deadline is uh, swiftly approaching, it's about 50 minutes away now. There's a lot of players feeling the pinch. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ryan and Martin. I've also got our... Uh, regular partner Steve and can introduce Tom Wilkinson at Tom Wilkinson 2C from Sideline Report. How you doing boys? Very well thank you. Thanks. Good. All right before we get into some news and it's going to be a long news section just to quickly chat with Tom first up. It's your first time on the show so why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I was actually pretty late getting into the NFL. I followed it a while back um, kind of late 2000s 2014, I remember vividly because for some reason I just decided I was going to get massively into the NFL. And the way I found it was actually the 2014 draft. So watching cut-ups of Khalil Mack and things like that back in the the Buffalo days. And that's what really got me into the game. Um, Pick the Lions as a team. I love the fact that for some reason Brits seem to trend towards the Lions as well, way more than um, some other markets. Something to do with the pain and suffering, I think. So, yeah, got into the NFL that way. Started playing the game a little bit too. So, uh, played for London Blitz. Um, played, um, was in the Great Britain squad and then completely destroyed my body, ruptured my ACL, broke my collarbone all in one attempted pick six. So, that was the end of that. Um, and then more recently started contributing at Sideline Report. So, just all things Lions, really. Fantastic. What, what position did you play? Safety. So, start okay. starting off as a corner, um, and then as I got a bit older, transitioned to safety. Legs couldn't hack it anymore. Fair enough. How, how long did you play? Only four or five years. Um, play, I played kind of the normal sports for us Brits and in inverted commas up until that point, and then wanted to do something completely different. Had a boxing fight, which was a lot of fun, but probably not long-term smart. Um, and then just, yeah, tick up the game. I actually loved it. I, it's killing me now not playing. I might even start playing flag or something again just to try and get the get the buzz. But um, yeah, I miss it a lot. Okay. Um, quick, you know, top lines moment since you've been supporting them and uh, just a thought on the season that we've just had before we move on. Sure, top lines moment. So I was at the Falcons game at Wembley and I was sat next, back row of Wembley um, and straight behind the post as well, but the far end, sat next to a very avid Falcons fan uh, as I'm sure you all remember, obviously that first kick went wide. He was standing up screaming. Um, so yeah, when that second one went through, it was, it was a pretty good moment. We haven't had that many over the past however many years, but yeah, it was a good one. So, and, and how do you think the season went overall? I know it wasn't the best, but any highlights, lowlights? Yeah, I don't think I've ever been more demoralised in that first game, actually. Um, we've had like we've had lower points, but for some reason I bought into the hype train this year. Uh, not fully, but I thought there was there was excitement building. 
um, a lot of a lot of the stuff around Black Lives Matter and things like that, it just felt like the team had a really good buzz. Like everyone was coming together, everything was trending in the right direction, and then it all just well <laughs> fell to pieces painfully in that first. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. Like just the the coach and team just leading the players out, not training on that day, being the first sports team in the US to not have a training session because of what happened. It it felt like a poignant kind of turning point moment in yeah. the season and and that was probably the high point <laughs> yeah it definitely was I mean there was nothing really to write home about last year we're going to come on to some of the free agents who um obviously are probably not going to be with us next year but yeah not not a great season I'm I'm excited for moving forward personally I quite enjoy a bit of a rebuild as painful as it is because I like the draft I like studying players I like the idea of rebuilding a team I like the fact we've got a coaching staff, a front office who are actually talking to us and feel like they're taking us along for the ride. Who knows how it's going to turn out, right? But it just, I feel more positive, I think, that it's going to be something a bit different, something a bit more exciting. And yeah, glad that Quintricia is gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot, I'm a lot happier. they to retool. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I've got to get my terminology right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into some news then because there's a lot of it. And first up, I've got his jersey on as a tribute to Kenny Golladay. He is not being tagged by the Detroit Lions. That's a per a tweet by Tom Pelissero. He will hit free agency. He had 3,068 yards in his Detroit career, 21 touchdowns and two 1,000-yard seasons, but only played a handful of games last year. A few weeks ago... All of the insiders were saying it'd be a surprise if he wasn't tagged. I'll come to you first, Steve. Um, are you surprised he's not being tagged? Well, I th- you know, we've, we've kind of talked about this so much and there's been so much conflicting views. I think if you look at what's happened today, like with Godwin being tagged um, and Alan Robinson being tagged, surely you would have thought that the Lions would have tried to find a trade for Golladay. Uh, you know, he's got to be number one free agent in that, in that class. Um, so I'm kind of surprised. Personally, you know, I think we spoke on the last podcast, I think he's a great player. And I think when you've got such a red zone threat, he's such a danger with contested catches. He seems like a good guy. Um, I'm sad to see him go, but, you know, Brad Holmes and you know the new, the new management, they've got their uh, jigsaw pieces that they're putting together and he obviously just doesn't fit for whatever reason. So, you know, at this point, you know, we've got to trust in the new management that they know what they're doing. How about you, Ryan? How are you feeling? Um, yeah, I'm okay with it, to be honest you. I mean, you know, he came out of it, was it, after the Arizona game, that shit's going to cost you, i.e. like it's going to cost you to, so much to keep him. And 18 million wasn't enough when Quinn offered it to him. So good luck to him in free agency. I think that, that will, won't, he won't be getting 18 million, but I could be surprised uh, uh, a year. But um, no, I, I, I'm, you know, we are in rebuild mode and, you know, he's missed too many games. I don't think he wanted to play. Part of me thought he was possibly sitting it out last year maybe there was problems with Patricia I just don't know but um, I'm okay with it uh, um, you know a new brush sweeps clean and that's what we're doing in Detroit so you know we're just uh, getting out getting out who doesn't want to be there and hopefully bringing in the players that do want to be there and start getting this rebuild off and underway ASAP really 
Yeah, how about the rest of you guys? Anyone fancy them staying? I think it's <laughs> Go on, Mike. I was just gonna say I think it's you know, I think it's proof uh, now that it's a bigger um bigger than a bit of a retool. This is more of a, a rebuild now. And obviously I think Ryan just mentioned it that his face obviously doesn't fit with what um we want to do going forward. So, you know, this is an opportunity for that um clean sweep. So okay, if that's the decision that's been taken, if we're if we're putting our trust uh, under a new regime, then let's go for it. Yeah, I think, I think it's just really, I think the main thing to take from this, it's just a shame that it's really come to this situation. I mean, obviously, as a fan, you want to see your draft picks, you know, progress. You want to see them become important members of the team. And up until last season, you know, Kenny was well on course to be talked about amongst the elite, amongst the receivers here. But, you know, he got offered a good amount of money at the time, you know, 18 million. I know a few of us more than said he was probably worth 20, especially if he was going to have another big season here. He's he's taken a chance that he's going to have another big season and get paid that elite Julio Jones money. And this injury has just, you know, kind of banjaxed this season. So it's now got to the point where it's not financially viable for us. I think it's just a great shame, really. I really like him. I think he's he's done ever so well for this team. I don't buy into any of this chatter that there's anything untowards this season. He's never raised any issues before there's never been any issues with him i think he's done the best he can while he's been here and you know i wish him well wherever he goes and i hope he does really well because i think he's uh i think he'll be out to prove that uh, he is one of the top guys there but as far as our rebuild goes i think it probably is the best decision now it is a lot of money to invest in him and we are a few years away from competing so let's go out get some young guys get them trained up and ready for the uh playoff push in a few years hopefully yeah, I think it, it would have been an easy decision to, to, sorry, it would have been an easy um, out, I guess, for the front office to tag him, right? Because it would have been a nice way to hold on to one of the line's best players, get themselves settled. But to your points, I think it's it's all about the rebuild now and that money just doesn't align with what they want to do. I think the money's particularly interesting because I think it was PFF had him at getting 21 mil a year or something like that. I think it was 85 over four which to me feels high, right? But I think there's definitely a chance he actually comes in lower than the 18 million number, which has previously been talked about. And then fans throw their toys out the pram because they're like, oh, well, we could have gone at 18 million. Now we signed for 60 million elsewhere. What are we doing? Um, it just doesn't fit with our plans. I think the value of doing this really holds true if we are looking at comp picks and that kinds of things. And I'm sure we'll get into it later on. Um, if we go and spend 15 million or 14 million on another free agent, then I've got more of a problem with it. I'm only okay with it if we're doing this for the right reasons. And I think it was Jack Conklin last year signed the 14 million a year deal. He's expected to, to bring back a third comp this year. If we go and spend that on another defensive player or something like that, and suddenly we lose out on that third rounder that we would have got for Galladay, then, then I've got more of a problem with it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think if you're doing this, you need to fill your roster spots as cheaply as possible, be that by picking up more picks or going in the in the bargain bucket for for some starters who are perhaps not quite of the quality and just embrace the the shitness which is which is coming. Um to that point, we're also not tagging Romeo Aquara, um, who's probably worth about 
11 million or so market value, the tag would have been about 17 for him. So I feel that that was less likely. But he did have 19 sacks in his Lions career, 10 sacks in the most recent season. Um, it feels like they're both going to go out there and earn a reasonable am- amount of money and that we're just not willing to pay it, boys. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it shows a clear indication of, um, you know, I know they've been very cagey about the draft strategy and they're trying to keep their cards close to their chest, but they must have a fair indication that they can get a wide receiver, uh, you know, on day one. Or I, I was just listening to the Pride of Detroit um, reaction about an hour ago um, before I came on. And I think they said that they, they think that the wide receiver class is so deep, we could even f- pick up a wide receiver in day two, which is kind of unheard of. Um, so that, that must be playing a part in, in like the bigger picture stuff. And whilst you may be on that point there, I think when it comes to Romeo, that's I'm a bit more surprised that a deal hasn't been done so far. I can fully understand not using the tag, as Matt said, 17 million is just entirely too much for the production we've had from him so far. But you've seen the progression he's made this year. And again, it's what you want to see in your players. And he's, you know, he can potentially be a stalwart on that defence for years to come. And his price could be in the 9, 10 million range. I'm really surprised that we've not done the deal with him yet, especially when you look at the draft class this year. And I wasn't really aware of it at first, but I know, Matt, you've deep dived a lot of the edge rushers in this one, and it's not a great class for finding new edge rushers for the future, guys who are going to be, you know, as good as he can. So I think given that it's going to be difficult to find a replacement for him right away, and given the value that we could get him for on this team, I'm, I'm still kind of holding out hope that we can do a deal on this one and don't let him go. Yeah, you mentioned about deep diving on the edge rushes, and I'm not done yet, but I've looked at the consensus top 14 picks at the edge position, and I haven't done a huge amount of tape work on them yet, but I fancy that they're all overrated at the draft position they're meant to go at, and I don't often say that about an entire class, but if Quitty Pay goes in the top half of the first round, that's a shocker. He's... He's a good player and he will be, you know, a two down player in the NFL when he comes out to start with, but he is not going to produce an every down level yet. And going down through it, Russo could do it. He's not played for a year and he's a freakish, tall, big guy, but all he has is ball rush and no technique. And yet he is projected to go at the pick number 21 at the moment on a consensus board. And it goes on through. The, potentially, for me, the best guy in the class is Aziz Ojolari. Um, But he's not a polished, finished product by any means, not like Chase Young was. None of these guys are going to be guaranteed week one starters. No way. I think now more than ever, or this class more than I can remember, the edge group is just all questions. <laughs> There are, there's nothing, there aren't really many guys who even on day two, you're like, yeah, they probably don't have loads of upside, but I kind of know what I'm getting. You don't even really have those. You've got kind of Jason Owen, people like that, who apparently ran a 4-3 um, yesterday, but kind of 40 times right now, uh, pretty hilarious. But anyway, you've got loads of athletic guys. You've got Jalen Phillips, I really like out of Miami, but loads of concussion issues. He almost quit the game a couple of years ago. So all these guys are getting first round buzz. And to your point, because it's a premium position, they're going to get bumped up. 
in a year where you have limited testing, you've got less film on these guys, it's going to be a kind of two hands up in the air, who knows? Um, and it's pretty hard to bet your your starting snaps on that. And I, f I feel like there's another big thing here. Obviously, when it came to Kenny and his tag, there's a lot of chatter about his age with him being 28, going up towards 29. He's not going to be here long term. For the rebuild but Romeo's nowhere near that yet he is a guy you can invest in now and he's still going to be here in three four years time when you're getting into the postseason and it will be a valuable cog by then so it's just another reason why you do you raise your eyebrows at this one a little bit more and go why haven't they maybe gone in for him because it's a, like you say it's a premium position we've got a guy here ready now we're going to have to go out and try and land on another one just to get back to par and a time is going to have to come where we need to keep our talent and we need to add to it as well to create a winning team. So, yeah, it is just I, an eyebrow raiser. I agree there with Anthony. I think, um, you know, I'm all about going all in for a rebuild. But if we have um, those kind of players that are at the right age, then we should be looking to keep those players. And I am more disappointed about um, Romeo than I am about uh, Kenny going because I think that's a like Anthony's a ready-made player there in a position that, that we really need and it should be someone that we're protecting there rather than trying to rebuild on top of what we already need to do yeah but there's some sense of pay everyone and try and remain competitive or pay no one and break yourself down to build yourself back up again and I know that's kind of what we've done over the last two years but I'd kind of be behind paying Romeo tagging Kenny and restructuring Goff as a plan or keep Goff as it is, don't tag Kenny, don't pay Romeo, and then draft your quarterback next year to sit behind Goff for a year, all the meanwhile having a roster of entirely young guys who can kind of all grow together. And I do still think there is a chance Romeo comes back, right? I think, as Anthony, you touched on, he's probably not worth the tag given how much more you'd be paying for him, right? And I think there is still a chance he comes back. One thing which is still pretty unknown is defensive scheme. Right now, if we're going to play a three-three stack or something like that, he doesn't necessarily fit. Now, it's it's hard to know. Obviously, I think only the people in Allen Park really know what they're going to do there. I think if they let him walk and they feel he's not necessarily a fit for what we want to do, then I understand it again a bit more. But I still think there's a chance we we bring him back and we prioritize him once free agency opens. I mean, his brother's still in the building. I can imagine that he probably wants to be here more so than than some other players. So I think there's a chance. All right, I'm going to move it on into a couple of cuts. So the Lions have announced that Desmond Trufant is going to be cut. That will save $6.1 million. That's per a tweet from Schefter. He played six games for the Lions, one sack, one interception, four passes defended. He's still on the team. They've said they're going to keep him until the very start of the season and then cut him. So they are, well, it looks like they're trying to shop him for a trade and good luck with that one. Uh, Christian Jones is awesome, has been released now. He played for us for three years, started 45 games, one force fumble and uh, fumble recovery, three sacks, eight quarterback hits. Um, the very definition of Quintricia, I think. He, he was here and he contributed, but not always well. Um, we've also let go of backup centre Russell Bodine. He was signed by the old regime. They're opted out of last year and comes back and is immediately cut. So I hope he didn't take any of the COVID cash because he might be repaying that. Uh, any any surprises there, boys? Um, 
for me, they were all no-brainer moves, really. Yeah, it's a pretty simple one, isn't it? I mean, there was a lot of shit to clear out and, um, you know, they're, 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 at least they're doing that, so it makes it positive. And, you know, if they manage to actually get any form of a draft pick for um, the backup quarterback, uh, Daniels, and that would be, like, you know, crowner. But, um, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing what they should be doing. They're doing what I think we all expected, and I've got no issues with it. And, you know, just to continue on with it, I think... Um, you know, I agree with what the lad said earlier that Aquara will, will likely stay in Detroit. Um, they'll find a way to get that done, I think, still. Fair enough. Anyone yeah. else? Any Anyone think we should have kept any of those guys, actually, first? No. No, that's good. <laughs> that's good. We're, we're all full of common sense today. Um, if sorry, you look Anne. at it, Tr- Trufant's probably going to go down as one of the worst free agent signings we've ever made. The sheer amount of money we gave him. We knew we had issues with his hamstrings and the amount of times they just went ping when he wasn't getting burnt in the secondary. It was just... That, that feels like a Power Rankings episode in June waiting to happen. That does top five worst free agent signings for the Lions in the last five years. It's certainly one during my time been a Lions fan, for sure. I mean, we've paid him, what, over 10 million over all told. And for what we've got, it's been absolutely rubbish. And Christian Jones has just never progressed into anything more than a rotational guy, has he? That linebacker room needs a serious clean out and thankfully it's now started I think with Trufant I like I feel embarrassed to say I wasn't high on it last year when we did it but I didn't hate it I kind of liked the fact that he was he was a proven guy who um, definitely had injury issues but if he could stay on the field I think could really help us hindsight is wonderful and it makes me look a fool because to your point Anthony he was awful um I didn't hate it at the time. I think it's just, it just didn't work out along with a, a lot of things last year. Yeah, I probably agree with you there. We we were the same. I think when he first signed, I don't think there were a lot of uh, complaints. You know, we needed the guy in there to, um, you know, be a mentor for Akuda because we all knew he was coming, um, but it's just not worked out. It's the same with Coleman. They've just, you know, we need senior guys in there who are looking after the rookies, making them better, showing by example, and neither of them did. I fully expect Coleman to follow suit soon as well. It's just, yeah, just one of those positions we need to just clean out and start from afresh. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on Oruwarie and Nakuda to step up as well, as in that room's going to start to look bare pretty quickly. And I know Amani got quite a lot of love last year. He was sneaky bad. Like, he, he, he made some plays, right? But... If you actually, and PFF is definitely not a gospel, but if you look at it, he graded out lower than Mike Ford, Deron Harmon, Daryl Roberts, Tracy Walker, even Will Harris. So he did some good things and he made some plays, which was incredibly refreshing because literally no one else on the entire defense did. But he also made quite a lot of mistakes. And so it's it's a big ask to get those two to both step up and, and man the outside positions. I've got more faith in Akuda turning it around um, than some. But yeah, I definitely like some extra competition in there. I think I think that's the thing. You can see the potential in there. And I think it's the same with Akuda. When it came to his run blocking and aspects of his game, it was actually really good. But I think a lot in terms of the supporting ensemble around them, letting them down, it doesn't help. That's why you need those solid corners in there, those veteran guys to lead by example and to help them. And they just didn't have that this year. But I think I've seen somewhere on Lions Media saying that they might run with them as starters next year. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I do hope we get another senior guy in to replace to replace Drew Pond for sure. 
Any other thoughts on the cuts? Yeah. I think Christian Jones, um, you know, classic Quintricia player. Um, I heard you were a hybrid player, Swiss Army Knife player. He was like a Swiss Army Knife, but not a good one. Like one that you might get in a Christmas cracker or maybe like you win at the fairground. I, I think that best describes Christian Jones. He's the booby prize. Yeah, right. So from cuts, we go to signings. So top of the list so far, we've got Tyrell Williams. He signed a one-year deal worth $4.7 million in base and $1.5 million in incentives. Uh, the move was announced last week, but was made official a couple of hours ago. The former Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Raider missed the, 20, uh, the majority of the 2020 season with a torn labrum. Um, he also has had historically issues with the plantar fascia, if I can say that right, but I'm not quite sure. Um, so, uh, hopefully he's got over that by basically rehabbing for the entire year. Uh, a guy who has been extremely consistently quite productive, but only one season of you know very good production. I think he's had one 1,000-yard season with the Chargers along with Anthony Lynn, and of course he reconnects with him here as the OC. Uh, other players that we have signed, I guess signed, but we've tendered uh, our exclusive rights free agents. They are pro bowl punter Jack Fox, converted O-lineman Matt Nelson, and the fullback Jason Cabinda. Uh, Tyrell Williams. Um, okay, we'll go to Steve. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the guy's got some good numbers um, before he got injured. Um, and you know, this very much feels like a Marvin Jones replacement. As you know, it doesn't look like we're trying to bring him in as a wide receiver. One, um, he's there to replace Jones. Uh, I guess the question is, you know, like a torn labrum. I think is like one of those injuries that could have you know more uh, impacts on his performance long term. So it's just a bit of a risk in terms of you know, is he going to be fighting fit at the start of the season or is he? Um, like Jeff Okuda was coming into the season, still niggly injured and, and isn't going to be fit for the first half of the season. So I'm presuming the fact that, you know, there's the Anthony Lynn connection, you know, he, he knows that there's there's um, something in in there that long-term is, is, is going to fit into the team. So, you know, again, let's trust the management for now. I think there's a lot of upside in there. So he's an unbelievable athlete. Um, if you know relative athletic score, RAS by MathBomb, at MathBomb on Twitter, um, I think it was a 9.89. So he is out of 10, that is. He's right at the top end when it comes to athleticism. And it's something which the wide receiver room, I mean, is empty right now. But even if you go back to last year, we didn't really have that. So having someone who is a real vertical threat. And if we're going to run with Jared Goff this year, he's always been at his best when he's had a vertical guy there. So... I like it as an addition, completely agree that I think it's more the Marvin Jones replacement than a Kenny Golladay replacement, for example. He is, I think, a really good number two. It can be a really good number two if he stays on the field. It's incentive laden, so it's under five mil base salary. I'm happy with that. It doesn't affect the comp formula, which, again, big fan of. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's upside. Um, just looking ahead briefly to the draft, there are loads of really exciting shifty slot guys this year. So loads of guys on day two. I think when you consider that we're going to be losing Galladay, we've now got a potential wide receiver two and really another wide receiver two or three in Cephas. I worry about what we can offer on the outside a bit more. And 
I would probably lean more towards going and get one in one of those more traditional wide receiver one type builds more so than those guys, even though I love people like Amari Rogers, because otherwise I just worry about how we're going to win on the outside. Um, so yeah, I don't know what other people think there in terms of how we're rebuilding the wide receiver room, I guess. I think you've just touched on it there, Tom, for me. It's the signing is quite, you know, it has quite a high ceiling for us. I think given we're in the rebuild phase, I think we're going to see a few more of these signings, maybe guys who have been affected by injury or a bit, but if we can keep them healthy and fit, we're going to get a lot out of them. Let's not forget Williams was on a 11 million pound a year contract before this was it four years, 44 million. And we've got him for 4.5. So if he comes in, has a good season, stays fit and healthy, then like you say, all of a sudden, we could have a new wide receiver too on our hands here. But if his injury problems do resurface and he, you know, he has a bad year, then, you know, 12 months time, bye-bye, he goes. It doesn't affect the rebuild. It doesn't affect the cap. So for us, I see it's, it's only as an upside. And then you look back at his history and apart from last year, he, you know, he's only had one 1,000-yard year, but his other three seasons, all over 600 as a minimum into the 700. So you can rely on him if he's fit and healthy for good yardage. So I think it's low risk, and as has been said, high ceiling, and we can potentially get a big guy in the risk, you know, in the future of this receiving core, out of this. So yeah, let's let's go for it. I think we'll see a few more of these as well. So obviously it helps with the rebuild, not having to pluck everybody out the draft. And on the thousand yard uh, thing, I believe that when Marvin Jones signed, there was quite a lot of criticism because he either hadn't had a thousand yard season or maybe had one. So. I think it's a similar situation just because they haven't doesn't mean they can't. It doesn't mean they can, they can't be a valuable piece of, of the wide receiver room. Exactly. And say, so if it doesn't affect the rebuild in the long term, if it's just a short term gamble, then why not? As I say, it will help us in the long term if it comes off. And it, if it doesn't, then, you know, we move on. Yeah. I mean, he's a deep threat, but I mean, at six, four and he runs a four, four and like, there's so many things you can do with that. He's, he's not a Kenny Golladay replacement, but if he was, he's a faster version of a similar-looking guy. So, you know, he's not Kenny Golladay. He's not that good, but he can do different things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to him being on the field. He can produce some of the things at WR2 that Golladay was producing at WR1, and now your WR1 doesn't have to be the traditional build that you mentioned, I don't think, but I, I, I hope we go that way because I think it's going to be the best way to go. It's cheap production. I mean, he's been so consistent when he's been on the field. I think the only way he fails with us is if he's injured and he misses most of the year. If he's on the field, I think he's just going to produce, especially with someone as accurate as Goff. At 6'4", you can put it out of the hands of some of your defenders because you're just going to beat them in the air. So I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, a uh, couple of other bits of news. Jamie Collins has had his, cap- his contract restructured with saving... Ooh, 6.34 million on the cap this year. His cap hit falls to 5 million and then his cap hit rises to $14 million next year before a $4.8 million, uh, million dollar hit in avoidable final year. Yeah, that was a bit of um, a tongue twister that I unintentionally went into. Um, there was about four or five guys that we could restructure. There's still, you know, three or four that we could, but it feels like a sneaky nice move that I kind of looked at the first time that I was told about it and thought no that's a really dumb idea like 
why would he do that? The guy's not going to be here long term. He's a good linebacker, not great. We don't want to tie ourselves to him for too long. But, you know, voidable year, okay, five million is not great in a, in a voidable year, but it actually allows us to fill some holes this year without affecting us too badly in future years. How are you guys feeling on uh, not just Jamie Collins, but restructures in general in this offseason? In the case of Jamie Collins, I think we may I think we've got this one right. I think he's going to be instrumental in rebuilding that linebacker core. I think he's got a lot of criticism and rightly so I have, but you know, especially for his incident in the first game last year. But I think he was let down by the talent around him last season. I mean, if you're trying to work with the likes of Tavai, Jones, you know, Ragland they didn't do much and you know I think it affected his game a little bit as well but you've now got him in for two years we're committed to him now but I think he's going to be vital in that rebuilding there so if we can get some good linebackers around him you know I think it's a sensible it's sensible in terms of restructuring it doesn't it doesn't do us too much harm there it frees up some nice cap and as I've said before I'm not against you know I'm against restructuring some of the bigger guys your flowers your golf I don't want to overload those contracts in the later years in case they don't work out. So I think this was just a sensible move from this point. Obviously, we've got to hope Collins works out over the next two years now. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I like it for what it's worth. How about you, Ryan? How are you fancying Jamie Collins definitely sticking around for the next two years? Yeah, I mean, he can't play much worse than what he did last year. I mean, he had a couple of good spells later on in the year, but... Um, yeah, I'm glad they that they're looking at doing stuff like that and restructuring it. I had I won't lie to you, I haven't even read up on it uh, that much. But when I saw it, I thought, well, it's kind of moved that I thought was was a good one for the management to take. But um, you know, obviously he, the guy can't do it on his own, so he needs the help around him as well. And uh, you know, where we've got serious issues is on that defense. So you know, he's proved he's proven he's a proven winner from his past. And if we get the right help around him, I'm sure that he can help you know, some youngsters coming in as well and, and get better. And hopefully we'll see the best of him because we haven't done it yet. You know, there's, um, there should be a lot more to come from him. But uh, I like the, I like the idea that he's getting paid a lot less because he deserves to be in terms of for that year or whatever it is. So, you know, a lot of players should be having their uh, wages cut on that team for the until they earn it. The only, the only difficulty, obviously, is it makes it a little bit more difficult to move on from him if uh, if that's what we decide to do after next season. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I agree with Ryan in terms of, you know, he didn't have a great season at all last year. I know we, we gave him pelters in quite a few um, post-game pods. So, you know, it definitely makes sense, particularly with a, a lower salary cap next year, to, to try and restructure this deal and... and well, like I say, the only downside is making it more difficult to cut him next year if that's what we do decide to eventually do. And I think that's where it might not even be as specific around Jamie Collins. To your point, I guess, with the cap coming down so much this year and in 2022, we could see it rising 20 million. If it's going to go above what it was last year, for example, which there's a good chance it does, you're almost just trying to remove the volatility in year-to-year -year cap numbers. So, yes, it means that we, we lose more money if we cut him in 2022. But obviously, as a proportion then of our overall cap space, it's going to be much less. So I think it's just teams getting creative with how, how to restructure these contracts and accepting that it could mean it looks, I guess, traditionally bad in that we cut someone with a big cap hit next year. But it frees us up to do more things this year. 
Yeah, I agree. Any thoughts, Steve? No, I, th I think, um, you know, they're, they're doing all the right things and they're, they're obviously trying to, um, you know, everyone's been hit with a cap cut. Uh, you know, you can see like a, on social media, a mild panic going through the fan, you know, the fan base of pretty much every franchise, you know, people are getting worried people. I think a lot of fans who maybe don't understand, you know, the, the mechanics of it are kind of panicking and going, you know, what the hell is going on? Why are we doing this? But, you know, I mean, Brad Holmes is, you know, this is like his key strength, um, you know, roster building and, um, you would imagine that you know he knows exactly what he's doing. He, he obviously knows where the numbers have got to go, and he, he obviously, I would imagine, has got you know a, a quite lengthy list of people he wants to bring in. And this is all about you know facilitating getting the quality on that list and not being you know searching around for the uh, the dregs uh, in a couple of months' time. I think it's a it's a trend we're going to continue to see in free agency as well of fans panicking. So remember like Vitae last year, he got, what was it? Five years for 45, I think it was. And everyone was there thinking that is crazy. He's never started. How are we paying this much money? It was really a two year deal, right? It was a headline number of 45 million, but it was a two year deal. And I think this year it's actually going to go the other way, which is you see average per year has probably come down, but guaranteed money go up. And that's so um, people can, I guess uh, with cap penalties being less important in those later years, I think you'll see people with lower deals and with mo less money to spend this year. It's a potential thing that will happen and fans will lose their mind because Kenny Holiday, for example, signs for 15 million a year and everyone's saying, why didn't we sign him? And actually it's, it's just different mechanics of how teams are going to have to get around the odd cap this year. Yeah. I think you're going to see more flowers like deals as well, where the first couple of years are really quite low and then, the, the fourth and fifth year are incredible cap numbers. So not only what you're saying, but but to an even greater extent, that that's going to be the case, especially with voidable years becoming such an integral part of contract building as well. All right, a couple of more bits of news and then we'll finish. So it was mentioned earlier, but the Lions are shopping quarterback Chase Daniel um, and, you know, and should get the statue ready if you can pull that one off. Um, he will suit a mentor role. So someone coming in as a young quarterback, that would suit. I'm not sure who the Bengals have a quarterback in the backup role, but I think that's filled. But it would suit the Chargers with Herbert or Jacksonville, if you know who is gone at number one there. And he'd obviously link up with our former interim head coach as well. Uh, in staff news, a couple of the... People under the previous regime have left sometime after the rest of them went, though, which is odd timing from my perspective. That's Kyle O'Brien and Jimmy Ray III. O'Brien was VP of player personnel, and he's taken a job with the New York Giants. Ray was a senior personnel executive. And finally, the massacre of cuts, as it has been dubbed in social media, has started as we speak the franchise tag deadline is 15 minutes away and the cuts include Kyle Van Noy from the Dolphins, Alex Smith from the football team, Golden Tate from the Giants, Carlos Dunlap from the Seahawks, Chris Carson from the Seahawks and Bud Dupree from the Steelers. Um, anyone want to jump in with a comment on any of those cuts or Daniel or the, the personnel executives? 
I think the the Chase Daniel piece would be if they got anything back, even a pick swap in 2022 or something, it would be a miracle. I think it's been a a contract. It'd probably be on that um, that power ranking of, of worst contracts along with Trufant. I mean, it was it's been a laughing stock contract. So if they can get anything back from great, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. So yeah, it's all, all the best. Yeah. Makes you wonder with some of these deals that were done in Detroit, you know, I think, you know, a lot of the lads that are on here um, all the time will know how much I can't stand that Vitae and the contracts that were given out in Detroit under Quinn and Patricia were just mind boggling. I mean, they are they're literally like, unbelievable i mean even when you think about it i personally think 18 million offering Galladay that was atrocious decision but you know um it's it's just this guy has really cocked it up and put us back a very long time here so it's um it's amazing how some people judge players and and everything like that and it's 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 just a mess and things can definitely only get better especially if we could get rid of daniels like you say for anything anything at all if I, if I close my eyes, I can still see that horror show from from the the books game on Boxing Day, and um, where he you know he had a starring role in that one. So it's just a shame he's maybe the only one being traded away from that game. But yeah, I, I mean, if it, like I agree with Tom, anything we can get for him, you know, and I literally mean anything, um, would be a great deal in exchange. So. I just don't know how you can look at a quarterback who's at his age, who's only had five career starts and go, you know what, we'll give him a contract worth, what is it, about 15 million that he got with us? And you're just like, Jesus, that is a lot of money to give to a career backup who is just going to be stood on the sidelines. I think David Blau has more career starts than Chase Daniel does. And he's been our third string guy for years now. I mean, yeah, we just need to get rid of that cap there because I think it's worth about two and a half million to get rid of him. If they can trade him, it's near four. So if we can get you know a future conditional pick and four million off the cap, then yeah, fair play to them. I think probably we're going to end up seeing Tyrod Taylor in that role instead, which would be a step up, I think. I, I was just going to say that uh, I think it was Chelsea had the, do you remember that centre-back, Winston Bogard at Chelsea? Oh, yes, what a cult player he is. <laughs> he was he started four years and played like three times a season and picked up like 10 million quid. That was always seen as like the benchmark of bad contracts. But um, yeah, Chase Daniel, that could be up there in the, the Winston Bogard Hall of Fame. I remember playing football manager. And if you were ever Chelsea, him just sitting there was the most frustrating thing ever. Just sitting there earning his, I think it was 40 grand a week he was paid to not even be on the bench, but be in the reserve team for like three and a half years. It's absolutely shocking. It's like Henry Sivet from Newcastle at the moment, who just was told to leave the club and has just been picking up a wage. But I don't think he's turned up to training in like a year and a half. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, right. Uh, just a quick bit on Kenny Golliday. Uh, PFF have announced that he is now the number one available free agent. So... That's pretty crazy. I know, Ryan, you said that 18 million for him sounded like a bad deal, but I would be taking 18 million for Kenny Golladay over a 15 million cap pit for Vitae any day of the week. At least Golladay has proven production. I know he may not be at some people's level of top tiered WR1, but at least he caught the ball and scored touchdowns. Vitae literally has no proven production. He was like some sort of 
high upside backup player and we signed him for elite tackle money. That's mind-boggling to me, but never mind. Never mind. We'll, we'll move on. Um, we're now going to talk about free agency. Last week, we looked at the offense. This week, defense and special teams. So taking it from my blog article of about a week and a half ago, I projected some of the cuts. Some of them are coming to fruition uh, in fact, a few more people than I anticipated now with Aquara and Golay possibly going too. So on defense, I identified the following holes. You may have identified more and I, I allow you to do that. But uh, at least two defensive tackles or nose tackles at the naught to three tech position, one defensive end who can either pay three to five or three all the way through to nine, ideally. Um Two linebackers, one at the will, one at the jack, assuming that the mid is taken by Jamie Collins as a three-down player. Three cornerbacks. Um, that's that's <laughs> presuming that our slot corner is being cut and he hasn't yet and he could stick around. But starting nickel corner uh, and maybe a contender for a Warriors starting the spot and then a backup, possibly Daryl Roberts if we can bring him back, but, you know, leave that up to you. Two safeties, we need a starting strong safety and ideally a backup who can play in either spot. And we might need on special teams a kicker because Prater hasn't been re-signed. Is he returning? I leave that to you guys. Let's start off with the defensive line and the defensive tackle, nose tackle sort of position. I thought... That we might be seeing the end of Danny Shelton. He has not been cut as yet. There's a reasonable cap saving, but there's not very many people that can replace him. Uh, would you keep Shelton? Would you be looking to free agency? Would you be looking in the draft? There's not a huge amount there either. Um, anyone want to jump in on I that think, straight up? I think when you look at this line this year, I think I think the draft affects what you do here this year. I look at the draft. I see a lot of good linebackers early. I see a stacked safety class in the second. I think those are maybe places you invest your time and effort in in the draft there. On our defensive line, the thing is we've got a lot of guys who have talent but haven't proven themselves yet or are rookies starting out. You look, you've got Penasini and the season he had, you think, you know, maybe he looks like he could be in the conversation to go at nose tackle and do well there. You've got Hand, who we've talked about a lot. This is his last year and, you know, we all know the talent that Deshaun Hand has. And, you know, you think, well, we may as well give him one last go on his last rookie year. Can we do it there? And then you've got... Um, Cornell, who's come coming back, we didn't play last year. Is it Cornell? Yeah, just tackle. Cornell. Yeah. So I think if you're looking in terms of strengthening up this year, maybe the line isn't the place to go. Go with your rookies. Go with hands. See if he can prove himself there, and uh, and possibly go for that for the future instead. So I wouldn't be looking too heavily at the position there this year. I think you know other areas of the defense will come first. I think it's a tough one because there's a few guys towards the top end of the, the free agent scale, I guess. Like Shelby Harris. I really wanted Shelby Harris last year in free agency. I think he ended up, ended up signing for 4 million or something like that. He's expected to get 10 this year. That's probably too much for what we want. But he's a criminally underrated guy who can play at the one, at the three tech, offer against run and pass. But there isn't much. 
And there isn't much in the draft either. So when it comes back to Shelton, Penasini definitely flashed. Looked like he had some good things. I think Shelton's a kind of a tough cut. It's, it's an easy one to look at his contract and say we can save, um, what is it, five mil or something like that. So it is money saved, but I'm not sure how we replace the snaps. Penasini isn't a guy that we can just get and pay the zero or the one tech and play 800, 900 snaps. That's not how it works. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't believe there's a lot in free agency, to be honest. The Sue, I don't know why he'd come back to Detroit. I don't know really why we'd want him, given where we are. Um, Sheldon Rankins really liked him coming out, but more injury issues. Are we basically just replacing the Sean Hand with someone else with injury issues? There's, I just don't think there's a lot to get excited about this year at the interior defensive line. Anyone else? I guess you know it's going to be interesting to see what what the scheme is and is it's going to be a four three or a three four they're going to play most of the time, but I, I think I, you know I, I agree with the previous comments. I, it's there's so many other burning platforms. I think probably tackle isn't one of them. Yeah, uh, so in my piece I I identified Mario Edwards as my pick. He's way down the board at 166th in PFF's free agent ranking. Um, it's, it was projected to be a one-year, $2.5 million deal with nothing guaranteed. He played 300 snaps, just shy off, but he was the third-ranked defensive lineman in the NFL last year. And, I mean, he did have a late-season PED suspen- uh, suspension, so, you know, maybe he was just juiced, and that explained... Uh, his rise in production, but no matter how he's got there, he's, he's back now. And, you know, maybe you can bet on the fact that he just is a better, stronger player than he used to be, no matter how that's happened. And, you know, low floor, high ceiling, sort of cheap option. Completely. I think my preference for free agency this year in general is young guys with upside and reclamation projects. And he kind of fits both. I mean, I believe he's, so this would be him coming to the end of his rookie contract. So he's probably going to be, what, 26, 27, something like that? 27. 27. And he's played, he's, he's undersized, but he has actually played some one tech. I wouldn't want him there a lot, but he's surprisingly stout against the run, but has played the three, he's played the five. So depending on if we want to have some hybrid looks some three-man fronts and four-man fronts, he can play a little bit of everything. Um, and like you say, the his, his, um, he had a really good year last year. He got suspension at the end for PDs, as you mentioned, which is a bit of a flag when someone has their best season and then gets flagged for PDs. But you're probably going to get him pretty cheap. And again, it can be another incentive-laden deal, one-year deal. I'd like to gamble on someone like that much more than, than dropping $8 million on Sue or Sheldon Rankins or someone like that. All right, let's move on to the edge position then in that case. So... Obviously, Romeo's gone and Griffin has gone. We've got potentially one starter in Trey Flowers, not your most disruptive end, but an incredibly versatile player, can play inside and out, gets plenty of pressure, just maybe not the, the sack totals, but an effective defender. But you need someone on the other side and potentially someone to back up. You might look at Julian Aquara to step up and have a good year after sitting for the majority of the year and being injured for some of it. Um, any thoughts on someone you might want to pick up? There's some plenty of big names in there, but given what we were talking about before, can we afford any of those big names? Are there any reclamation projects you might want to take on? Steve, how about you? 
Yeah, I mean, the one that absolutely stands out is um, Trey Hendrickson at, at the Saints. Um, you know, obviously there's the, the, the connection in terms of the coaching staff, so, so they're going to know him really well. Um, I think he's a, he was a third-round pick, um, but, you know, didn't get a lot of playing time because he was always behind uh, Marcus Davenport in the depth chart. But, you know, last year, you know, I think he had uh, probably like his best year last year, um, 25 tackles, six and a half um, sacks um, the previous year. And then last year, 25 tackles, 13 and a half sacks. So for me, that that's a real, um, you know, if, if they like him and he's got the right character for the Lions, I can really see them going hard after him. I think the only thing there, if, if, if you are going to go after the likes of a Trey Hendrickson, I mean, he's going to be commanding a lot of money, probably, you know, above what Romeo Aquara wanted. So I guess then the question you ask is, well, if we're not willing to pay Aquara, what we've, you know, guy who's, you know, here, he knows the system, he knows what we do. You then go out and buy someone like Hendrickson a bit more. I, I guess it kind of raises the question there about um, what what's wrong with Romeo if we're going to do a bit of a swap there. I mean, we've, we've really put ourselves into a kind of a, a corner here if Romeo does go, because as we've said, the draft not necessarily stacked with edge defenders who are going to do a lot for us in the future to start with. And in free agency, there's there's a lot of good guys out there. It's like Bud Dupree is getting let go today. But I know he's had an injury, but again, he's probably going to be commanding well over 10 million a year. It's There are a lot of good edge rushers on the market, but we will have to pay for them. So if we're going to do that, why not pay the one that's with us right now? So but we don't have that problem. I, th- I think um, you're probably bored of like me saying it because, because like we've mentioned this several times in the podcast over the last, well, really all season, but why not have both? You know, why not have Aquara and Hendrickson? Because, you know, we, we know very well that no pass rush, no pressure equals our secondary getting burned. It happened time and time again. Like, I don't think we had the worst secondary, um, the worst corners in, in the league, but they just gave the quarterback so much time and no pressure. And, um, you know, maybe Tom, a bit of insight here from you, you in terms of your playing. It, it must be so difficult when there's no pressure on the quarterback. I mean, you can, if you're manned up, you can, own, I don't care who you are. If you're Jalen Ramsey, you can do it for seconds, like three seconds, four seconds. If the QB's got enough time to either roll out or sit there and pick off his third read, you're just always going to get burned. And that's what we saw last year, right? We saw, even if we were in zone, it was just so easy and it was painful to watch. It was like you weren't watching an NFL team at times because they're just making it look so easy to pick teams apart. Um, I think the challenge is this defense was so bad, historically bad. I can't see it being even average next year, to be honest. And I think given the depth up front in, in the draft, but also in free agency, I think they're really going to struggle with the defensive line. I think they're going to probably prioritize trying to build the, the defense from the back end. Um, and it's probably going to be another painful year of us getting torn up a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the big thing, really. If we're looking, you know, this, this entire defense needs a rebuild. So I think we need to look at the areas where we can significantly strengthened this year. Like I've said in the draft, there's loads of linebackers, loads of safety, some good corners there. Let's focus on rebuilding those and then maybe next year, 
hopefully the defensive line options are a bit better. Hopefully, maybe there are some edge options out there as well. Let's let's really go after the areas we can get at now and build that way. Mm. I mean, there's a, the, the names that are available are pretty pretty impressive on this list. I mean, considering you're saying that there's no there's not much in the draft available for us to go out and get. So, I mean, there are some really big players there. I personally think that Bud Dupree will find a way to go back to um, to Pittsburgh. That he'll probably test a free market agency, and you know he'll probably find you know get they'll end up getting a home hometown kind of discount with him and everything like that. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if I, I, I'm a little bit surprised. I was mentioned Melvin Ingram. I see him definitely coming into the team. I know he's 32 now and. There's a lot of, um, you know, he's, 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 he's been around a while, but uh, he's someone that could definitely come in and help us right now. And, you know, we saw that when we brought in um, Griffin last year, how much he actually helped our team at, you know, disrupting the quarterback and, you know, kind of fucking up the play and everything like that, you know, and putting them under pressure. So, you know, I think that this is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the most important um, positions on the field. And it's a position that we've gone short on for far too long. And, I think that if we're going to be doing any form of a retool instead of a rebuild, this is where we need to go and make a splash in free agency this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. And just, you're completely right. There's loads of big names. Um, It's more, I don't think the Lions can go out and sign them. So you've got Bud Dupree, like you mentioned, you've got Carl Lawson, who I remember screaming at the TV that the Lions didn't pick in 2017. And ironically, they took Holiday, so it worked out all right. But um, Clowney, Ngakwe, you've got all these people who are, really could be top-end starters. I just don't think we can afford to pay them. I think Melvin Ingram's a really interesting one because I think PFF actually had us signing him in their predictions. Um, he's a really good player. He's on probably the back end of his career. So do we really want him for this period? And he's quite a similar player to Trey Flowers. So where does he fit with our our current roster? I don't know. He's one of the guys I had circled and then a couple others, Dietrich Wise, Pure pass rusher out of New England, sadly. But you can probably get him for around six, seven million. Um, and maybe you want Aquara, Julian Aquara, sorry, to step up into that role, but he's another guy that could that could do that. And then Terrell Basham, another guy from 2017 draft at the mighty Ohio Bobcats, I think it was. Um, he's a very rounded player. Again, you can probably pick him up for five, six million. He's the kind of guy who I could see making the step that Aquara made. A guy who's Rounded, fine, but maybe steps into something who's a younger guy with some upside. Um, I just don't think we can afford to go with any of those top guys like Lawson or Dupree, sadly. Mm, yeah. And also, I've, I think he's very, I, I agree with what you're saying. And, and uh, you know, I listen to, you know, about that, what you're saying there. And I, what I would say about Melvin Ingram is that one thing I do remember is from the, um, Hard Knocks documentary that I think that he, like Joe Bozer, just signed a contract or something like that. And he was wanting to get a bit of a payday himself. And he was still actually at the training. He wasn't participating, but he was still there being a team player, kind of getting involved and helping people. I think he'll be a very good uh, player to have around, you know what I mean, as well. So, like you say, I think he'll still be wanting a decent wedge of salary. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, with obviously uh, uh, Anthony Lynn knowing him very well, um, I think that there's a good, more than a good chance that he joins us. But, you know, a lot. it might take a bit of time to sign quite a few players in this free agency because there's going to be plenty of money being splashed about, you know, so it's going to be 
it's going to be an interesting watch to see what happens here, especially in this um, area of the field, because there's, as we've already said, some some unbelievable talent available. And it's rare to see that much available. I think, I think there's certainly a... Sorry, Matt. No, you go for it. I suppose if, you know, a guy like Melvin Ingram, as you say, I think there certainly might be a place for them on this team. If you're not happy with the guys who are coming out of college this year or there's nothing in free agency that really gets you going for the value you've got to bring in a guy like Melvin Ingham just to sort of placehold until a guy is ready to come in. I think there's certainly, you know, there's certainly a market for someone like that as well. Let's say, especially if we're going to spend in draft picks elsewhere in the defense, it might be, it might be a good shout actually, just until we get some better uh, D linemen in the draft. I'm just hoping we can get one full player out of Austin Bryant and Julian Aquara. If the both of them can contribute half a season each, that's going to be a big weight off my mind. I think, I think realistically, with the number of holes we have, that we have to prioritise some areas and not others. And for me, as much as edge is a priority position, I'd rather go draft. And if it's not there in the draft, I'd rather take a stopgap to get to the draft next year. Two first-round picks in, in 2022... And, you know, maybe one of them can be one of the top end quarterbacks and one of them can be the top end edge players. And I'd call that a terrific 2022. Let's not worry about the fact that there are no young, just out of their rookie contract players at 26, 27 years old who we can pay. I'm ignoring Hassan Reddick because he is not the solution. He's Jared Davis 1.0, um, <laughs> not even 2.0. Um Jared Davis can be Hassan Reddick if we play him as a 3-4 Jack. So let's just reassign Jared Davis to play that role. But there's a few players that we can get on a one-year deal to fill a role and be semi-productive in this system before waiting to take one next year if we maybe don't get one in the day two or day three. So I picked Olivia Vernon. His status for this year is in question because he got an injury in week 17, but his projected contract values two million dollars which is insane to me because he's one of the most productive edge guys out there but his injury status has really depressed his value so he's he's the one that's up there but there's also two former lions that you can get for very very cheap and hope you get any production whatsoever which is kerry hyder who performed quite well at the 49ers pff say you get four and a half million and uh, Zeke Answer, I know he's probably never going to play a down, but he's probably then going to be very, very cheap, and hopefully he surprises you. But we just need bodies at this point at the edge position for me. Harry Hyder would be an interesting one. I know he was a bit of a fan favourite, not similar to Aquara in terms of having a big year and then moving on from the team. Um, I don't think he got the same contract that Aquara will get, but yeah, I think it'd be... An interesting one. I'm not sure I can go through the Ezekiel answer um, roller coaster again, sadly. Oh, I loved him so much. And the, the opinion has changed so much since he left. I can't believe we tagged him. Like, we actually paid him 16 million or whatever it was, 15 million. Like, it seems like a world away. Right. Spent enough time on edge. We'll move to linebackers. So. We've got Jamie Collins and we've got Jamie Collins for two years. And I know people are clamoring for Jelani Tavai to go, even though we can't get very much back. I think a lot of people feel like he produces more when he's not playing somehow <laughs> than when he is on the field. And I sympathize with that view, but we need bodies. And he's, as a sunk cost, he's very, very cheap to, to keep on the 53. So ignoring that, 
we do need at least another guy, if not two. Uh, I obviously said before I want to keep Jared Davis. I just think that at what I imagine he's going to be paid as a situational pass rusher, it's going to be worth it. But if he doesn't come back, I'm not going to be that fussed. Uh, there's not a huge amount of value that I see in free agency, but there is in the draft. But is there anyone that you guys pick out? I picked out KJ Wright, Denzel Perryman, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and BJ Goodson as cheap, serviceable guys at that area. But I'd almost like Reggie Ragland's comeback if we were going to do that, because at least he'd be a lot cheaper than that. Um, anyone have any names I want to pick out? I think we've we've been linked with Matt Milano quite heavily. Have we not for linebacker? Yeah, we have. But it's just another guy where the Lions fans for me are dreaming. It's like he's he was a potential tag candidate. How are we paying these guys? I just I don't get it. So we're gonna get him and John Johnson and this guy. And it's like, yeah, okay. I don't think Milano's ever played a full season either. Yeah, I think you're right there. That's something that does come to mind. But I, th I think when you come into linebackers on the overall, as you've already mentioned, the draft is the place for linebackers this year. And if one area of our defense needs a complete and utter reset and some elite talent putting on it through the draft, it is at linebacker. I mean, if, if we were able to come away with, say, Mega Parsons and Jabril Cox, I would be doing cartwheels down the road, you know, for a very long time. That just instantly turns that linebacker core elite. You've got two really good guys there and a really good veteran with them. So, yeah, like you said, there's not a great deal of value there. Let's just build linebacker up through the draft and, you know, get that going from there. So the image of you doing cartwheels for a very long time has me... <laughs> wow, that's, that's tickled me. <laughs> you have to put on, you'll have to put on a Zoom camera for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I've... You know, I've been very high on some of these linebacker prospects for a while now. I just think, you know, we need some elite talent in this defense. I'm just not at all sold on us taking a receiver early. And I want to see some elite guys in there we can build around. And linebacker, you know, that's where that's where some of these guys are at. So let's go out and get them, rebuild from in there, from in, from within. Yeah, I'd be pretty frustrated if the front office went and paid big money to another linebacker. Like Jayon Brown is... A really good player, really good player in coverage, but him, Milano, Levante, David, they're going to be getting 11, 12 million. It's just not worth it, I think. Um, Samson Ebukam, who's from the Rams, he's an interesting one to watch because you can probably get him relatively cheap, um, probably 4 million-ish. And he would almost be a like replacement for me for Jared Davis. He's a guy who can play in space, but can also um, rush the passer. He plays the, the will role on that Rams defense. And I think if we did want to move on from Davis, bringing in someone who knows that Rams scheme, because we've talked about trying to bring some of those principles, is an interesting is an interesting one. He dropped off slightly last year, but he'd had some pretty good uh, pretty good years beforehand. So I think he's an interesting one. Another one with ties, Alex Anzalone. He's probably not high upside, let's be honest. But again, someone that you can you can put out there. He was starting for the Saints last year. Another guy who excels in more in coverage than against the run. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we picked up someone like that. But agree that the, the draft is definitely the place to go. It's the first linebacker draft I can remember where most of the top guys, not Parsons really so much, but most of the, the top 10 are coverage guys. They're modern NFL linebackers. 
Um, and so there's definitely a chance for us to, to pick one up if we don't go Parsons early on, on day two or even even day, early day three. Yeah, there's so many of them. The top 11 prospects are uh, on average going in the top 110 picks, which is just incredible to me. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll go spare if we take Nick Bolton or Dylan Moses. I know this isn't a draft episode, but they are not who I want. Anyone else will do. Um, uh, there, there's a couple anyone, of guys. Sorry. Would anyone bring back Davis? Would anyone yes. bring back Davis? Yes. I mean, I'm, I mean, there seems to be a feeling that they, he's going to come back. I'm, I'm not a fan at all. I am not a fan of this guy. So my question over is, who would you see as like a kind of value free agent that's available or would you bring back Davis? Like, would you, would you, who would you rather bring in that, that you would, you would say, you know what, for four to five, four million, something like that. He's a good sort of pickup or would you rather do something with Davis? Steve. Let's say the Packers, um, if they kicked away Christian Kirksey, didn't they? But I think he had a pretty decent year there. And I think he'd be, probably be commanding in that range. I know he's 29, but if you're looking for sort of immediate relief there and a good guy to put in, especially against the run, Kirksey's certainly a name that, you know, I wouldn't be too disappointed with if we went out and got him. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, I've, I've had my fingers burned by drinking the Jared Davis Kool-Aid last season. You know, we saw all these pics on social media on how he'd put on all this muscle and how he'd, you know, improved his times and this, that and the other. And he was coming back from the summer, a completely new player and a new type of player. And he was as kind of like C minus, D plus as he ever was. Um, yeah, OK, he was playing for, you know... Um, Patricia and you know not the greatest motivator but I, I just think Jared Davis has you know had his chance I'd be looking at I, you know, I completely understand that at that top end we just wouldn't want to pay the money what about someone like um, Raekwon Millen from uh, the Raiders I think he was like the number 54 pick when he was drafted and he's just like not worked out in in Las Vegas uh, he's probably going to hit free agency I think he's only 25 he's probably someone that we could get some value out of. And I, I, I would rather see a player like that than take another, give Davis another year. I think the theme and, and McMillan's a good one to bring up because with Christian Jones being cut, again, slow, plodding, Quintricia linebacker. If you look at what the Rams did previously, they only brought in linebackers who were elite athletes. And that's where someone like McMillan was. I don't know his, his kind of RAS off the top of my head, but he was a really elite athlete. And that's the same with Ebukam, sorry, who I mentioned earlier. I think if we're going to go for these guys, it's going to be those guys who are highly athletic um, and are going to come in with potential upside at low cost, at low risk. It's also why I think they may hang on to Davis. Um, but the... I guess the dream of what we wanted Davis to become is just so far removed from what we see on the field. If he does come back, we've just got to understand he's a role player and he can do a little bit of everything and we're not going to man him up at the goal line because we know he'll get torched. So know what his limitations are and bring him up as a role player. Again, it's going to be in that three to four million range, I'd imagine. So, I think it goes to the very heart, though, of, of what's happened over the last three to four years. Pretty much every new guy on this defence this year had a career worst year. 
And, you know, guys that have come in just before that have had career worst parts of their seasons, but their guys have proven that they can do it in the past. So is it that they're bad or is it that Patricia could not build a scheme built for success? And is it actually these players in a scheme which is going to fit them will actually contribute? So for me, Jared Davis, he is, his football IQ is very low, right? He's a steam train who can run in with big power and hit someone hard. He's a, he's a good run defender. He's an okay tackler. He's an excellent blitzer. Like he is an excellent blitzer, but he cannot drop back into coverage. But we were asking him to cover first and blitz second. But if we asked him to blitz first and drop back into coverage as a surprise, that that could be right for success. And, you know, at the three to four million sort of range, I, I, I feel like he would offer the kind of high upside that we're looking for in a free agent from elsewhere. We just feel disappointed he hasn't worked out as a first round pick. And we're letting that cloud our judgment as to whether we want him to return. Martin, you've got your hand up, man. Yeah, I'm just going to say, you know, I think where we haven't got a lot of room to manoeuvre, the defensive line has to be the priority. And I think we do need to strengthen it in the best possible way with the best possible free agency that we can get. And I would like to see, I'm all about, you know, um, what we said before about going strong in the draft and, and building the team. But I'd also like to see a, a bit of a statement made in terms of what we do in free agency around this defensive line. And, you know, I know J.M. Brown at the Titans is going to be available as a linebacker. And that's somebody that that's the kind of guy that we should be making a play for, you know, because I, I know I take on board what you said about, was it uh, Patricia's fault last year with the defence? I think a lot of it was also a loss of confidence after a while with that defensive line. Players just looked at so they don't become as poor as they were last year overnight. And I think you can put a lot of it down to the, the low confidence in that defensive line last year. And, and you know, that impacted on the, the younger guys and those more experienced ones as well. But I think we really need to think carefully about these free agency picks and, we know that's a priority in the defensive line and, and just go out there and get the best in class that we can get with, with what space we've got there. As well, I know we're going to come on to cornerbacks in a minute, but Justin Coleman's an interesting one. On the surface, again, a really easy cut. He's on a big contract and hasn't formed up to it. But as a slot corner, he was the best in the league pretty much when he joined us. I remember being really excited about that move when it happened. And at the start of 2019, he was looking good and it fell to pieces. Is he the kind of guy that you hold on to? And in 2021, new system, new scheme, guy who clearly has talent, you actually want to trot out there at a slot. I mean, if you saw some of the positions or some of the coverages, positions he was put in, there was no way he could win last year. Yeah, yeah, he was set up for failure. Against guys with skill sets he couldn't press. And it was just, he was, he was never going to be able to succeed. Now, I'm not saying we keep Justin Coleman. I'm definitely not. i I wouldn't be, I, I don't even think I'd want to keep him necessarily, but I think he's an interesting one. If he does remain, I'd like to see what he does. Cause I think there's definitely hope for some of these guys who looked so bad last year with a new system. I think he's, he's one of the guys that I would go to and say, look, we can't justify having you, but would you consider a pay cut? 
to keep you. We want to keep you, but you're not worth the money we're paying to you. Will you consider a pay cut? We've already seen examples of several players who have taken pay cuts this year so far. And, you know, he, he's counting against the cap, I think it's 11 million this year, something like that. Um, for From memory, I think it's a 9 million cap saving as a post-June cut. So if they, his, his contract value has to be above that. So I think that's about right. And if we come to him and say, look, we're, we need to reduce this because you're going to be gone if not, how's about four or five million less? And even then, I'm not really sure if I want to keep him, but at least it would be a, a gesture that he wants to stick around. He, he was placed in an impossible situation last year. doesn't mean he's good, but it does mean he's not as bad as he's shown. I think it's also much better for the franchise if obviously you get your money's worth out of him rather than cutting him and all that dead cap that you pay, you know, all that dead cap you have to suffer and what we've paid him. So, you know, it is in our best interest to keep him and see if, you know, well, if he does stay and he does perform, obviously it is better for us, but I guess it depends what the plans are there. If they're going to get some new guys in, then, you know, I suppose you have to take the cut and, uh, distribute it elsewhere really I think it's probably a bit naive of us to think that we can go with the same players next year and have a, have a significant uplift in what we saw because I just don't think that is possible I think we are limited by by quite a few of those positions which is why I'm saying that you know our high quality draft picks and our um, free agency moves need to be prioritising strengthening these positions if we're going to I mean we're all about knowing that it's going to take some time to turn this around. But also nobody wants to be looking at a zero and 16 or 17 season next year. So, you know, we've all been there once before, so we, we don't need to live through it again. So, um, you know, I think everybody just wants to see some step forward next year. And I think having some of these guys built around um, and while bringing in the best that we possibly can will help to do that. All right. Yes. Let's and I, I think we need... Oh. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think we need to show. I think, I think that with the new, uh, forgive me, I forgot his name, the new, um, you know, uh, defensive coordinator, that he's going to bring some real attitudes, you know, exactly what they've had in New Orleans. You know, they're going to be in your face. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to be talking shit. They're going to be really, you know, getting under your skin. And you're like, so, you know, we might not be very good next year, but I think that you'll see a big difference in the people that were there last year. Uh, you know, changing their attitudes this year. I think that you know, there's this 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 guy on defense is really going to fire these guys up, and I think we will see better play from players. And if we can rework that Collins deal, uh, great. But um, I think if we don't, I think he's gone anyway. So um, yeah, you know, but a lot of people need to step up and really show their worth this year because uh, it's just a tough enough season on paper as it is. So you know, we need to get. I think work. for me, I think the thing is when your defenders are struggling, you manufacture some breathing space for them by blitzing more than you would do ordinarily. Um, that puts the quarterback in a situation of uncertainty. Is the blitz coming? Is it not? If you can manufacture some pressure that way, you buy time for your secondary. But we have resigned ourselves to the fact that the scheme hadn't worked and we also didn't blitz. We just had kind of given up quite early on in the season and resigned ourselves to the bend and break defense, which is a new one for me. Um, I think you'll automatically see this team get a lot more by doubling the blitz rate. So 
and I think that's going to happen. New Orleans certainly, you know, like to bring four man pressure, three man pressure, and blitz with five or six, and just go for it. And I, I really think that some of the guys in there will be fired up by that in terms of a morale part of the game. If a blitz gets there and you've got someone as second and 15 or 16, the defense plays better by virtue of the fact that they feel good about being on the field. So I'm confident that pretty much every player on that field is going to be playing better. Um, maybe not to the point where it's still at an acceptable level. I don't know, but it's going to be better. Right. I'm going to move, <laughs> move on after my rant to cornerbacks. So we've talked about some guys that we might be losing. Uh, there's a lot of guys at free agency. There's a lot of guys in the draft to speak of. So, I mean, at the top end, you've got William Jackson, Richard Sherman. Um, I picked out someone that I'm actually really excited about, which is Mike Hilton. Uh, he is potentially the second best slot corner in the league. We have a need at slot corner. The potential contract is about $4 million a year, according to PFF. And he's a little light, but he's an excellent blitzer. Um, there's so many kind of slot corner box safety hybrids that we might get in the draft. Uh, Martin, how are you feeling on this? I like, I, I, I tell you a name that, that keeps coming up for me when I'm reading various things about cornerback is Troy Hill. Obviously there's that Rams connection. Um, it's just whether we want to, we want. It's going to depend on spend there, really, because I think he's coming up to thirty. Uh, but he, he had a career high season last year for a number of stats. So when we're thinking about veterans, if if you could get him at the right kind of price, I think he would make a lot of sense, having worked, you, you know, under that Ram system before as well. So yeah, that that's one that sticks out for me when you look down the free agency list in this position, anyway. He also has flexibility to play inside and out. So I think we're zeroing in on slot guys. And there's so Mike Hilton, definitely an option. Desmond King, similar kind of player, very well-rounded. Um, but they're slot guys. They're slot safeties. They're slot corners. Troy Hill definitely can play both. He played quite a lot of slot in 2020, had a really good year of it. Like you mentioned, he's played with Aubrey Pleasant before. Yeah. Uh, he's feisty as well, which I quite like, to be honest. So... I think he's someone, again, all of these guys we're talking about are probably in that four to five mil range. And I think the cornerback class aligns really nicely with guys that we want to bring in, take a bit of a chance on. Two other guys to, which are kind of more risky, I'd say. Gary on Conley coming out of 2017, he was going to be a top 15 pick, fell because of rape allegations, which then got kicked out. And um, I think he ended up getting picked 24 or 26 by the Raiders. Um but he's been pretty consistent throughout the time. He's got experience outside and, and he's expected to go for around 3 million. Um, Jason Verrett, another guy, it's almost like the truth on pickled over again, but for half the price of 5 million. He was the second best corner in the league, I think, a, lot, a couple of years ago, and he was the eighth best corner last year. He just struggles to stay on the field. But if we're spending 5 million, I can get on board with that a lot more than if we're dropping 10 million or something like Trufon. So I definitely think at corner, there's a load of guys in free agency we can we can target without hurting ourselves too much. So, yeah, for, for corner, for me, I think you're definitely looking at veteran guys. We do have our young up-and-comers there. The one I've been targeting down and the one I put in our um, roster builder episode on this is Xavier Woods from the Colts. He played, he only cost $3 million for the Colts last year. 
And I think he's a hell of a good corner and he's a guy who's really going to help Akuda and Arawari's games progress. And for that sort of money, I think you just get an incredible value for money if you can get him on a similar deal. So he'd be who, yeah, I'd be looking for for him there. But yeah, I'd be looking more at a veteran for this for now and then maybe take another corner in the uh, in the draft as well. But if we could get Xavier Woods, I'd be very happy. Yeah, I think there's, there are some uh, cheaper guys. I think um, Michael Davis at the Chargers is another like interesting one. Uh, I think he's uh, only been in the league four seasons, but you know three interceptions last uh, last season, and you know he seems to be uh, fairly reliable um, and probably the kind of player that would add value, but at the same time has got like an upside if we can improve him. Yeah, I agree. And, and he's someone who, if you look at the Chargers secondary, it's full of superstars, really, in terms of Derwin James and other people like that. I'm pretty sure he was undrafted coming out and he's managed to crack that team. So yeah, he was undrafted, yeah. Yeah, team full of superstars. And he's the guy who's been able to say, that doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to come and work, get the job done. Um, I think he's another really interesting guy. Would anyone bring back Daryl Roberts as a kind of backup uh, special team kind of upside sort of guy? I think he's one for the special team squad. I think I potentially would. I mean, you've got to get six corners, really. Um, or certainly eight DBs out there. So we need to have bodies on the roster. Darrell Roberts is not going to cost a lot of money. Um, he's, he's fine. Again, not going to set the world on fire, but that's okay. I'm, not, I'm hoping he's not starting anyway. So I definitely think he's someone that we could be getting back. Oh, we could take a, a swing at my favourite night, a named guy in the NFL. I know he's coming from a a rival team and he's a bit older, but just for lols, we could get Buster Screen. He's just it's my favourite, favourite name just because he's there. He's waiting for that screen pass and busts it. And he's like, yeah, nominative determinism right there. Um, <laughs> moving on from cornerbacks, we're going to end the defence at the safety position. And... In terms of safety, obviously, we have lost our starter, Duran Harmon, who was someone who pushed Tracy Walker out of his natural position, and Tracy Walker really suffered for it. Hopefully, Tracy moves back to his natural position. That opens up a starting slot. We also have a backup in Will Harris, who is there, and that's a positive. Um, the fact that he's on the field too often is a negative, but, you know, never mind. Hopefully, he can be a reclamation project because I don't see him being cut his salary level. But there's clearly a need there. We've obviously been linked heavily with uh, John Johnson, who isn't being tagged by the Rams. Um, but it's another guy who's going to be paid a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And do we have that money? Um, there's a few guys at the cheaper end of the spectrum as well. And I really want Malik Cooker. If we can get someone in the draft who's going to be healthy and, and play a lot of snaps and Tracy Walker, who's had no injury history that I can remember, then you've got two guys who are going to be on the field a lot. But Malik Cooker is one of those guys who's terrifically productive, very young and very injury prone. So why not take a very low value swing at someone who's got tremendous upside, can teach our young guys how to play a bit. He's a vet at 24, which seems very young. Um, how about you guys? There must be some guys out there. And uh, the draft is loaded with them as well, especially in day two. Well, the Falk 
Americans today, they announced they're not uh, keeping their... Who's their guy again? Um, Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal. And I know their fans are devastated about that. They all really rate him very highly. And I don't think he's on the biggest contract in the world. So if you're looking maybe at a guy like Kim bringing him in, I think obviously you switch Walker back to his natural position, give him one last year there, because obviously it's his contract year as well. Um, but if you're going to bring a guy like him in as your second guy, and then you can dip, dip into the draft, because I mean, that second round safety class is just unreal. There are some, you know, franchise changing guys in there potentially. So if you can get one of those, as well as a good free agency signing, that safety course suddenly becomes really good. But yeah, I, I, I hope we uh, make a concerted effort to go after him, especially after seeing how upset the Falcons are at losing him. Yeah. The safety position group, I think, is the one that can probably go both ways to both extremes the most out of our defence. And by that, I mean, right now, we've got Tracy Walker, who was meant to take the next step, but didn't last year. Now, I'm hopeful he will, but no guarantee that by moving him back to free safety, he's going to start being a top safety. We know Will Harris. We know what he can do. We're going to lose Deron Harmon. So there's a big gap. And as you mentioned, there's loads of interesting players in the draft. Doesn't mean we're going to hit on them. Doesn't mean we're going to pick them. And actually, the free agency pool, again, lots of really top-end elite guys, but I don't want to spend 14 mil on on John Johnson. I think pretty much all the other guys have been tagged. So Marcus May, Marcus Williams, all those guys have been tagged. So there's a lot of guys at the top end and interesting guys at the bottom end as well. Ironically, I actually would have been much higher on them last year. The reason being, Keanu Neal is an in-the-box thumper. I'm not sure that really fits with the defense if we're going to go for a lot of too high looks. Um, it's more someone who I would have rather had when we played more traditional cover one, cover three, which we did a bit more last year with Patricia. Um, DeMonte Casey, actually a guy I really like, but again, he's a free safety for, with the Falcons. He's really a cover one guy. And Malik Hooker, I watched so much Malik Hooker tape when he was coming out of Ohio State because it was just perfect. I'm so disappointed he hasn't really kicked on. I'd love to bring him in because he's got such upside, such athleticism. Again, he's a guy I want to be just patrolling the middle of the field. Um, He hasn't looked as good when he's been playing cover two and he can't really man up with other guys. So I'd love to take a gamble on someone like that because you're not going to be paying much money. It's going to be a a low-year deal. But I feel like it's almost going to be draft or bust as to how the safeties play uh, or the safety position group plays out this year. Yeah, I think um, I think for me that safety and and edge are the two areas where I'd be really comfortable us investing some money. Um, I, I was writing my my Super Bowl review for NFL Scotland, and I kind of like watched the second half of the game uh, again. And you know, when you've got like Antoine Winfield and Tyrone Matthew on the field, you you just feel like there is a play to be made at any point in the defence. Those two guys on either side of the field, you were never quite sure of, you know, what was going to happen in the game because those two guys can make something happen. And I just remember getting so frustrated so many times with our defence last season where, you know, Stafford had driven the offence, the length of the field and put points on the board and all we had to do was get a stop. And there was just no one out there making plays. And, And really, since, you know, Glover Quinn left, I've never had that feeling that someone in our secondary is going to make a play. Uh, You know, Slay had flashes, but, you know, was 
tended to be outmatched by, you know, wide receiver ones with, no, again, with no pass pressure, my favourite subject. Um, and I just feel safety, you know, going after someone like uh, John Johnson, I think, you know, he's the seventh ranked safety over the last few seasons. Uh, he was fourth amongst safeties for coverage grade last season. He's only 25. If we're going to invest money in free agency, that to me feels like a, a good option. But I completely understand, you know, that that it is a deep draft class. But you know, we can't go after everyone in the draft. So maybe if we if we feel that, you know, and, and this will come down to a draft day decision, if the best player on the board uh, isn't a safety that we want, but is a wide receiver or you know someone else, then let's use that free agency money for someone like Johnson. If we were going to spend more than 10 million on anyone, Johnson is the guy I'd want. And this is probably the position group I'd want to spend the money on, right? My concern is I think he's going to go for really big money. If you look at guys, I think Buda Baker, Eddie Jackson, Landon Collins, Kevin Byard, all at 14 million or more. And now John Johnson is going to be pretty much the only guy on the market with all these other guys getting tagged. So I'm more nervous spending 14, 15 million on him. At the same time, he basically becomes the Glover Quinn. He's a leader in the Rams locker room or has been previously up until this point. Um, and he becomes that, I guess, leader of the secondary to take this uh, this young team forward. So I definitely wouldn't hate it. Yeah, it's so deep, the, the safety class. I don't know how much money I want to spend on it. I... I... I do know how much money I want to spend on it. I just don't want the salary cap. But, you know, that's another thing. But looking at the draft, I would love, realistically, these names to drop into my lap. Jevon Holland, Elijah Molden, Richie Grant, Paris Ford, well, maybe not Paris Ford, um, Ardarius Washington. Yeah, there's four guys there at two different dra draft spots for us that we could realistically take either at number 41 or the, the back end of the third. And if we could take that, I'm okay with a backup coming from free agency. Now you don't do that. You may be bringing an interior defensive lineman or a second round wide receiver, and then you have to pay the money in, in free agency, but you have to do one of the two, I think. Would yeah. you, would you hate it if say we trade back, we going way back, we talked about Washington as a, as a pick potentially to trade back or they came up for quarterback. Back half of the first round, pick 19, something like that. Would you hate Trevor Merrick out of TCU? First rounder on a safety, not so sure. But, I mean, he looks like a hell of a player. Yeah, he does. Uh, I think the big thing about a trade back is, you know, there's so many tempting guys in round two. If you get some more round two picks out of it, I think you absolutely have to do it. I mean, you've got receivers in there. You've got the likes of Rondale Moore. You've got corner. Eric Stokes looks amazing. He's going to be in the start of the second. If you're going to be able to get some of those guys, then maybe you can give up the seventh pick without feeling as bad. I think if we drop down to 19, I'd rather go linebacker. 19 is where I think there's good value at linebacker, either with JOK or um, oh, the name escapes me, Zaven Collins. Either of those two at 19 would be terrific for me. I do think that trading back is going to be really hard. We'll discuss this in, in later weeks. But if quarterback goes one, two, three, four, as I really strongly think it will, there's no value in trading back because there's no trade partner to come up. 
So that that's the real problem, especially if Pino Sewell goes at five, as expected, because he's the only other guy I think people would trade up for. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate. I wouldn't hate Trevor Morrig at, at 19, but I think it's a reach. My problem with him is he's an elite player, very tall, fast, good instincts. His top-end speed is not quite there. It's the only bit lacking in his game, but it's not really something you can improve on either. So, I don't know. It's a tough one. I, th- I think overall, you think we're really looking for a leader on this defence. And it's been mentioned a few times, but Glover Quinn has never been replaced since we let him go. He was, you know, one of the undisputed leaders there, one who was respected by everybody, who set the tone. And we absolutely need someone back in his mould again. So, yeah, I think that's that's probably one of our things. If we are going to spend a lot of money, we do need to get in a proper leader on that defence. All right. Spent a lot of time on the defence, but if we walk into special teams and and kickers, obviously, the, the big one here. Um, Aaron, who's not here today, has been banging on with Matt Prater. His wife's just opened a business in Detroit. He clearly wants to stay because it's going to be convenient for him. He's had a bad year, so it's going to be a pickup on a much cheaper deal than we've been used to with him. Kickers have a bad year here and there, so why not trust him? And if he has a second bad year, that's better evidence to cut him than now. I have a great sympathy with that view. It really depends on how much money he wants for me. Um, again, there's there's plenty of kickers about. Martin, how are you feeling on the kicker position? Yeah, I, I am on with that point, to be fair. I, I would bring him back for that that second year on a, uh, that next year on a renegotiated deal. And I think, you know, while he did have a bad year in his, uh, up within his own high standards, he did kick some particularly long uh, field goals still. So, you know, while we're saying he, he wasn't as consistent probably as he has been in previous years, you could say that about the vast majority of, of the, the team last year. And again, the kick-in is a lot a lot based on confidence and I think that probably suffered as things went on. So, again, I, I would agree with you, Matt. If the, this season is as as up and down as last year was, then yeah, move on next year. But I, I don't see any issue bringing him back. And obviously everybody's happy with the free beer that he won them last year. So, you know, that's why I was going to win you some friends. So yeah, I, I have no problem with, with bringing Matt Brady back next year. I think as well, he was not quite automatic, but he pretty much was from 50 yards plus, which is not normal. And I think last year just brought us back to the reality of what the other 31 teams in the league feel, which is if it's a field goal from over 50 yards, there's a fair chance you're not going to make it. Like I say, he was definitely down compared to his previous years, but I think that's only just because he had been so good. I think you could make an argument he'd been a top five kicker in the previous few years, right? So is he still league average for me? Yes. And I think he's better than that still. Um, I, I still think he can be a top 10 kicker and I just don't see why you'd move on from it just yet. Yeah, I'm a massive Prater fan. You know, he's he's such a good guy. Um, you could see, you know, like Stafford loved him. You could see he's got a real bond with with the team. You know, it, imagine him having to, you know, grind his way through the the Quintricia era. No wonder the guy was down and maybe lost confidence a bit. 
I think if, if anyone is going to get prey to firing again, it's going to be MCDC. He's, I reckon that those two will hit it off. They'll be playing Metallica in the, in the kicker's room. And uh, I think Prater will be back this year. So yeah. that's probably the one... I'm sorry. No, I'm say it's probably the one area that Detroit have never really had a major problem in, from what I can remember, is kicker. We're always kind of pretty solid in this area. He did have a down year, and there's not much to add on what you guys already put, but I see no harm in bringing in competition and making him have to win his job back. So I think that we need to bring in a the competition there and, and put a little bit of pressure on him. And... Um, make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, that's, that's all I'll say. But um, in terms of, do I have any problems really with Matt Patricia? Uh, uh, sorry, Matt Patricia. Um, Matt Prater, no. Let's not get on to Matt Patricia. Patricia How long do we have? <laughs> oh, yeah, Freudian <laughs> slip that was. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, fuck I'm, that guy. I'm with you, Ryan. I think, you know, it is time a bit of competition was brought in for him and I think it is time one I was put on the future at that position now. I, no doubt he can still you know, he's still clutching. He's still got the moments in there. But like I say, he was one of the best guys over 50 last year. But he was also considered one of the worst continual employed kickers within 40 last year. So you have to take note of that. Because at his age, he's not suddenly just going to start whacking up his stats again. So, you know, bring in some solid competition for him. If he wins out, that's great. If not, then, you know, move on. There's one guy I have on my big board who might get drafted who is Keith Duncan from Iowa. He didn't win the award for best kicker in college football, but he wasn't far away. Um, He plays for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And uh, he had an incredible record in the Midwest, which is notoriously windy, which obviously doesn't exactly help. He had um, an 85% success rate on field goals, which is pretty close to the record in our Iowa uh, he didn't miss within 39 yards and is perfect on PATs. I mean, I think there's going to be some guys who who are available in the draft, maybe not quite at that sort of level, who you can pick up for, you know, $700,000. So Prater at $2 million or him at 700000 or I don't know. Like, if you can have one of those mad PFF scenarios where you trade back three times in the first round and pick up like five day three picks, like I'd be spending one on him. But ignoring that scenario, which is completely unrealistic, I think re-signing Prater is probably the lesser of, well, any of the possible evils, really. I think you're going to find this year, you might want to wait before making the decision because... You know, special teams are going to get ravaged around this league with teams trying to get under the cap. You've seen it already. There's a lot of kickers. A lot of punters been let go. So you may find if that trend continues that there is some really good value out there for some really high quality kickers. So it's maybe a decision you want to kind of leave till you see what the market's like as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Any Any other special teams positions that you guys want to discuss? I mean... Do we want to get into whether Mule's going to come back? I assume he is because he will never die. But <laughs> he's massive. Do you know that? When I saw him in Dallas, I, I was like, who the fuck is that? That geezer is one. Uh, you, trust me, he's, he's been the first person I'd pick that I wouldn't want to fight on the Detroit Lions. The geezer is just ridiculous. But um, probably Killer Grew, I wouldn't mind seeing come back for a special teams place, but um, 
you know, I'm I wouldn't be crying if he if he didn't either. Do you know what I mean? So maybe Killigrew. I want Aaron Sipos back as a reserve punter as well. I love him. <laughs> the tape of him in Aussie rules is quite inspiring. Definitely. This just makes me think I definitely need to start scouting some kickers and punters. <laughs> I, mean, I know we've got Jack Fox. If we're talking backup punters, I definitely need to get into the weeds. There. Oh, I don't know. I just I, last year when they were in camp and they were fighting it out. I mean, he's he's just amazing. You know, Aussies are such fun people, and he's like they had this big Zoom call and he was singing it. I just I just took to him for some reason, and I was just like, right, we need to keep him just for that reason. He's just really funny. Oh, go deep in this. You go deep in this podcast, Tom. We go deep. <laughs> I just I, I find it really interesting that Jack Fox made the Pro Bowl and during the preseason process they said they couldn't separate the two and Sipos wasn't signed by another team. Like that's so weird to me that you can have someone playing at such an elite level and you go, ah, it was a toss up between the two, and no team's desperate enough for a good punter that they'll bring him on for, for seven hundred thousand dollars. Like blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I one thing I've never, I mean, not to get into this is not, I've always found it surprising how you never really get a kicker and a punter who's the same player. I mean, you know, you would have thought like, you ain't got much to do in training. Go and practice your punt <laughs> if you're a kicker or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, so I, I just always find that strange that why does that have to take up one extra spot on the roster is all I'm thinking. So yeah. go and multitask. Just, just throwing that one out there. I think, yeah, exactly. I, I think it more you can do, happens. eh? More yeah. you can do, Lee. I think it definitely happens at college level, especially in the smaller schools, FCS level or something like that. But I guess there is a different technique to it. I don't know. Maybe one of your leg muscles it's, it's is slightly like, bigger than the yeah. other one. I don't know. But Jesus, good. I just think of the uh, the Peter K uh, advert, the uh, Avit. I was I was thinking the same thing. Have it, <laughs> drop kick it. <laughs> Going out. I think I'm going to go and try out for punter. <laughs> can you imagine the poor? Can you imagine the poor guy who's got to play for the Bears when he's having to punt after every three and out, and then the odd time they get points, it's a field goal. Poor bugger will be knackered by the end of a game. <laughs> yeah, very true. Oh. Please bring back Mitch. Anyway, um, uh, Jalen Reeves, maybe, boys, bringing him back. Never. I really really want him to come back. He's near elite special teams player for me, and he can contribute at linebacker. I'm I'm happy for him to come back. Killebrew, you mentioned before, he's the standout player on this special teams. I mean... He's not going to command much salary. If he does, don't bring him back. But bring him back because he's not going to command so much salary. I'd be amazed if Killebrew didn't come back. Like I say, he he offers so much purely on special teams. He's not going to be going for a lot of money. So, yeah, I imagine he'll still be around. He got several of the punt blocks last year as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he got at least right one way. of them. Um. Right, any more thoughts on anything we've discussed or anything else before we log off, boys? All right. Sounds uh, good. If, you, if, you're betting, if you're betting, who do you think is going to be the big splash free agent then? If you're, who are we going to spend money on? If we, if we, uh, not who you want, who you think. Because hmm. I ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I think Melvin Ingram is actually a really good shout I could really see that happening. J- Johnson's the obvious one because we've got ties to him. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we'll want to spend that much, but I think someone like that would be really nice. I feel like the market's to be had with receiver. There are quite a few good receivers out there. I feel like if we're going to splash, we'll splash on a receiver. So, well, yeah, I, I think I'm I could go for that. I'm going to have a sneaky bet on Hunter Henry. Oh, I'd love. Oh no! Oh, I love that. Ooh. No, I, I, I want Dan Arnold <laughs> at that tight end spot. That's that's really going to hurt my pits, buddy. You are locked in, Arnold, aren't you? Yeah, we, we're drafting pits, aren't we, sir? <laughs> yes. Oh, them out there. No receiver set. Yes. Wow. He looks quality, though, doesn't he? He looks. I think he's going Philadelphia, but he looks a very special player. Him. Fourteen personnel have... all day. Just fourteen <laughs> personnel. We can do it. <laughs> we shouldn't be disappointed if we do take him, though. I mean, man, he can do it all. Really, he's he's basically a receiver. So I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. He's not a massive splash, but I just think he provides something different value for money even at the top end of what we can afford he also he complements i think um cephas and, and tara williams quite nicely he can do a lot of the underneath work and he's got a bit of juice um i don't know how much he'll go for but if we might get priced out i think he'd be really nice there I, th I think it's just good that we're not having to look at who the Patriots are releasing this year and who we're going to be massively overpaying. Here, here. Yeah. Absolutely spot on, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next episode will be this time next week, Tuesday, 16th of March. We will be looking at the NFC North and free agency for all of our main competitors. Uh, on our socials, don't forget to add us on Facebook, Detroit Lions Fans UK One Private Worldwide. On Twitter, it's ROTL underscore UK. On Instagram, ROTL.UK. We've got lots of blogs recently up and coming on RoarOfTheLionsUK.com. Don't uh, forget to subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you ask a question on there, we will get back to you. Otherwise, hit us up on Twitter. I'm sure we can answer some questions. Just for me to thank our special guest, Tom Wilkinson, and my co-hosts, Anthony Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fard, Martin Birrell, and returning guest, Steve Collins. We'll see you next week, boys. Let's go, Lions. One pride. One pride. Okay. One pride. FTP. Okay.